0: Hey there, nursing community. Welcome back to episode
1: 12 of Two Male Nurses. It's Two Male Nurses and we're back at it with the ventilator series.
0: Ventilator series. All right, and today we're gonna to be talking about one of the most important and foundational parts of being a nurse and the way you advocate for your patient is extubation. The criteria, you know, what how we can predict their success off of it, and all in between, coming to you right now.
1: All right, so we're back at it here. It's the ventilator series, and we're talking about the most, well, I shouldn't say one of the one of the most important parts of a ventilated patient, getting them off the ventilator. Absolutely. You're, okay, so we talked about intubation, this, the pro, okay, no, no, no. Big picture, we're trying to get them off the vent. Um, I... I know that there are times, especially as ICU nurses, uh, the care process itself is far easier when the patient is intubated and Mm -hmm. sedated. Uh, You can do your bath a lot easier. We can do their oral cares. We can turn. We can can treat a patient who's intubated and sedated perfectly. It's very straightforward. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you extubate, it gets a little shisty. I mean, all of a sudden, they're upset. They may be arguing with you. They may be confused about the care process. They may be getting physical. They may be swinging at you. The care process, when they're extubated, all of a sudden turns just a little more tricky. And they still may be sick. They still may be an ICU patient, mm-hmm. but the the control aspect is gone. And now right. you're dealing with an actual patient who may argue with you. Maybe they don't want to take their meds. They don't do this. They want to do that. They're hitting the call button. There's all these different things. <laughs> Especially as ICU nurses, it drives us nuts. Man, I like to do a lot better with a tube down <laughs> your throat. For real. And it's, it's, you, you can joke and laugh about it, but it, it really is a lot more straightforward when tube. they're intubated. But I think yes. just remembering that, uh, and I'm speaking, for my, I'm speaking to myself here, that the whole point of all this is to get the tube out. Right. They can't live with the tube in. That, that was just a Band-Aid. Yeah. That was a Band-Aid while well, we fixed something else or maybe we fixed their lungs, but we got to get the tube out. Right, because if we don't get that tube out, well... Throw numbers out. Yeah, give them the numbers.
0: Let's throw just a few numbers we found here. Give them the numbers. As soon as you get that tube place, you already have a 35% mortality rate. Right. Like 35% is not going to be coming off that vent. They're going to die. Okay, that's a 35%
1: mortality rate. So, And that's that's removed from whatever wherever we intubated them. So, okay, so sure. If we had not intubated, they would have died. Right. Okay, sure. But... Versus a versus a complete percentage or a complete picture. Yeah. Now that they're intubated, intubated versus unintubated, moving forward on that statistic, you're right. looking at 35% mortality rate. And
0: sadly, the statistic didn't like dive into it. But I would be so curious how much it like potentiated by every day you're on the ventilator. You know, yeah, for after sure. five days, you're now 50%, or once you hit. 18 days is like 98%, you know, right, yeah. whatever, or but, like quality of life,
1: even, you know, that kind of stuff. But we, the other numbers... Well, I was going to say, like, we actually did a ton of research on this, and we just really couldn't find numbers for that. I'm assuming it just like varies a lot between hospital, it right. varies a lot between time, there's like yeah. way too many factors to say that these, this number is is set in stone, but these are again this is the, the one of the websites we found that actually had some pretty solid numbers was from a gov
0: yeah so you know <laughs> so you know legit.
1: it's a boring website yeah. and it's legit right yeah so then the other really
0: interesting um stat that we found is that even for the hospital administration side that every day on the vent is going to cost that icu 2300 dollars
1: twenty three hundred dollars and it's yeah
0: you know you think about all the costs that goes into it of like you know and i doubt this is even like you know staff that's caring for me you know right. there's now, no way. that other website said to forty five hundred dollars forty five hundred dollars yeah. a day in the icu well that's after day four it, as they said after day four it jumps to almost or over four grand a day no that
1: was that other website though it <laughs> said yeah it said forty five hundred dollars just straight off the bat forty five hundred dollars a day in the icu so if they're intubated in the ICU, and that's the reason for them being like, oh, well, they're intubated. Okay, they're coming to the ICU, 4,500 bucks a day. Yeah, and that's why, honestly, they keep on saying that, like, you know, ICUs
0: are kind of like, a, you know, a decent money maker of a hospital because it is very expensive stays. It's,
1: it's expensive. These yeah. are very, very costly. It's very costly to keep these patients on this ventilator in the ICU. But not only is it costly to their insurance companies... But it's, like, costly to, like, their mental state. For sure. 35% mortality rate. I know, man. I mean, man. 35%, Dude, man. That you have
0: a breathing tube down your throat and, like, you know, you don't know if it's day or night. You know, we're doing, like, these assessments and you're like, oh, you're definitely delirious now. Right, you know, right. all stuff. It's it's terrible. I can't
1: even imagine. 35%. So we're just going to talk, again, th- these, are, these are weaning. We're going to talk about weaning off the ventilator. Get them off the vent. That's that's big picture, get them off the vent. And it's a huge area that we as nurses, kind of like we, we fall out of our field. We're like, this
0: is the RT's decision. RT comes over like, we're not extubating today. It's a Sunday. We're chilling. We're not extubating. Right. Like, you,
1: you're like, oh, oh. I, don't, I don't want to extubate. Yeah, you're all right, right chill. Right. It, yeah, so we'll do it Monday. We'll do, yeah. we can do it Monday. Or And uh, I think night shift, uh, mm. you know, this isn't against the night shift. I think it probably has to do a lot with, like, the patient's, like, sleep cycles and stuff like that. It's mm. definitely very – it's a lot more straightforward to extubate during the day. Yeah. But we're throwing this stuff out there just so night shift also kind of just, like, knows about it. They're going to be aware. Right. Yeah. Just, like, just some knowledge or mm. – uh, Uh, Units where you don't usually extubate. We're going to throw this out there. It's Just, again, knowledge for you. Uh, Maybe pack you, Bruce. (laughs) Throw Bruce, you know. People (laughs) who don't extubate. This is just numbers for you to know so that you are... Yeah. You know, just a little more knowledgeable a little more knowledgeable and i think the biggest part of this especially with how you know terrible it is being
0: on the vent and how bad it is mortality rate and everything is that you can advocate for your patient be like no they're meeting criteria what is your reasoning for not, for not activating? Yeah. okay that makes sense you know okay what's well, not excavating but it's like no we're meeting those like all right i'll oh, pull the tube yeah you know yeah. so just, just
1: being that advocate yeah
0: and so we're going to start off with one of the first like criteria okay I literally got goosebumps when I just like, this realization came to me. Okay.
1: The reason for intubation needs to be resolved. Exactly. So what, however, whatever you did, the reason for intubating them, the, if you're going to extubate, you have to have solved that first problem. Okay. Okay. Pulmonary edema. Okay. Now they're clear. Chest x-ray looks great. Okay. Altered mental status. Now they're following commands. Now they're, now they're uh, again being a little more compliant or whatever right uh, the, it, those ODs oh they yeah. OD'd we all, we intubated to protect their airway we've solved that we've given the charcoal yeah. all their labs look okay yep the the medication that they OD'd on is not an issue anymore mm-hmm. that has to be resolved first
0: absolutely and sometimes we we'll like we'll push that boundary a little bit obviously it's still very sick, but like hey we can throw them on bipap or airvo whatever but you know that's the that's the main you know that first objective we need to check off yep. okay the next one is going to be a little bit more um, maybe like specific to the patient's situation, but there's some like, you know, things to keep in mind. Hemodynamic um, stability. Like you're not going to start a sedation vacation and, you know, a spontaneous breathing trial on a patient who's you know svt in the 180s pressures around the 60s and you're starting another presser right right?
1: that's kind of and that's common sense but again just throwing it out there you gotta have you gotta be a stable patient hemodynamically right and the other way like they have to be like you know vent wise
0: like decently stable like they're no longer like paralyzed and obviously prone and like on like you know big medications like velitri that are really you know really, you know, they're for those like really bad arts patients. Like if they haven't gotten past that, there's no way that if we excavate them, they'll be able to fly. Right? Right, right. right. So those are just like the kind of the main things you got to look for. Now, Ben, start us
1: off on like some very specific number criteria that we have to meet. Sure. Uh, and we're pulling these, we pull these from a couple of different sources, but our main source is the ventilator book. It's an awesome book. We've talked about it before. It's just really simple and, uh, laid out very, very clearly, um, So the the numbers they gave, and we have actually saw these in a couple of different books, FIO2 less than or around 50%. So you don't want them – they can't be on a whole bunch of oxygen. They can't Mm -hmm. be on a whole bunch of FIO2. they got to be pretty low on that. PEEP less than 8, less than or equal to 8. Your natural intrinsic PEEP is around 5 or maybe a little less. You have some of those patients with like a a high auto PEEP or a high intrinsic natural PEEP. uh, But keeping that – if they're natural, you want a little lower PEEP. And then able to maintain normal capnea, uh, just really big them into ventilation less than 10 liters a minute. So if they're having to work harder to maintain a a low or normal CO2, uh, that's that's not ideal. They have to maintain that. Right. Yeah, so that makes sense. So there with uh, the next
0: one as well, we're going to talk about is a NIF or a um, negative inspiratory force, okay, that they can take in negative 30 centimeters of water so they can able to take in an adequate breath okay and obviously that's going to be different if you're intubated than if you are just like at your normal state not intubated a normal is going to be around like a negative 100 centimeters of water but if we can hit a negative 30 Will be good and the next one is that they have to be awake enough and like following commands at least at their baseline and that
1: NIF also they had fault the rt does that you'll see them and they're like all right sir take a big deep breath keep on keep on keep on keep on keep on keep on That's 20. The NIF. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was that, positive. <laughs> that's the nif. That's, yeah, that's what they're the doing. NIF. That's the They're talking to the patient. The patient's awake and they're doing that. They're following that command. Right.
0: And then one of the last ones that Ben is going to talk to us about that is very, very specific
1: and is a great extubation criteria is RSBI. RSBI. RSBI is very, very cool. Now, this is actually part of a bigger picture. Um, and I'm going to start out with just the, the big picture thing. Those those numbers we threw out are they're in some ways, criteria, but they're not uh, the end-all, be-all. They're not necessarily – they're not the Bible. You're not going to take these numbers and say, okay, well, we hit our numbers. We hit our p less, our FIO2. We're good. Let's pull the tube. Uh, the research is moving away from this and actually saying you want to start out with a spontaneous breathing trial yes. on SBT. 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 Just, SBT. <laughs> yeah. Now, you see, we, our intensivist comes around every morning. And anybody who he will come over and casually wander over and, hey, boss. Are you up for a, you want to CPAP them? Let's CPAP them. Let's see how they do. And it's sometimes some patients who don't even look that good, but you got to give them that shot. Right. You got to give them that chance. Hey, you, ready? you guys ready to CPAP? Let's CPAP. We're going to CPAP them. And that's part of this spontaneous breathing trial. And if you can correlate that having the RT do the spontaneous breathing trial... With your
0: sedation
1: vacation. Sedation vacation.
0: Every ICU's favorite part of their day is when they turn the <laughs> propofol off, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and the yeah, patient starts, like, crawling out of swinging, the bed. And they're, yeah. yeah, they're swinging. They're reaching for the tube. Yeah. All that stuff, right? But something that's actually really interesting with this sedation vacation is that it does need to be in correlation with the spontaneous breathing trial. If, you know, RT comes in, oh, I tried to flip them to CPAP. It's like, well, I had them, like, maxed on, like, you know, three different sedatives. Like, you yeah. know, there's no way they're going to be able to. Oh, they're still paralyzed, bro. Like, of course yeah. they couldn't. <laughs> Oops. Oh, man. aptic period here yeah but something that's actually pretty cool is that and in, to incorporate you know night shift into this like you know um getting people off the vent is that sometimes with those that have like really impaired like liver or kidney um like kidneys you know then you might need to be shutting that sedation off way before like you know you can't just expect to be shut prop off verset off you know fentanyl off pressex, whatever they're on and then all of a sudden they're like oh ready i'm ready to breathe i'm ready for my NIF. you know <laughs> this is not how it works sometimes you have to start it at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. I know that doesn't sound good to people that, you know, they got to crank that sedation up at night, you know. But no, starting it early, getting that weaning off. So by the time we get there, then first thing that. that morning, we can have a good you know, um, sedation vacation
1: in conjunction with an SBT, 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 got get get that, that spontaneous breathing, breathing trial. trial, spontaneous breathing trial. So the part of the spontaneous breathing trial, again, they, you do the CPAP, you do the, the you can do the SIMV or whatever your criteria are. You, you correlate that with your respiratory therapist. They're going to, they're going to take care of it. They are the masters of the vent. Um, but the big part about that, a number they're going to throw out is this RSBI. It's a RISB. 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 We it RSBI. RSBI. call RSBI, you call it a RSBI. It's a rapid, shallow breathing index. on the first time I heard this, I was actually working up on one of our floors, and uh, one of the RTs came out and asked the other RT, hey, what was his RSBI? It's like, oh, RSBI was fine. And so I was a little curious, and so I turned to the RT. Uh, it, it, his name was Tim. And I said, Tim, uh, what, what is RSBI, man? Just curious, looking for a little bit of education. And he leaned over his shoulder me and said, and I quote – don't you worry your pretty little nursing head about that. It was very <laughs> demeaning. It really hurt my feeling. I'm like, wow, man, that like hurt. And I wanted to I wanted to like mouth off to him and be a little bit rude, but have you seen his Jeep? Have you seen Tim's Jeep? I have seen Tim's Jeep. His Jeep has a, like a bumper sticker from Stark Industries. Uh, you know, like I'm not gonna. I he he may or may not be Iron Man. Like I'm not gonna argue with Iron Man. You know, so I had yeah, to quietly man. like sh- like hang my head. Okay, uh, you know, Tim, I'm sorry, I disrespected you like that. Now, to <laughs> Tim's credit, I said like, oh, okay, well, thanks, thanks, Tim. Possibly Iron Man, but I just like curious, I want to know. And then he like he he realized I was actually asking a real question, and he actually gave me a very very uh, detailed. Very good explanation about it, um, and when I looked it up later, it was exactly what he had said. Very very knowledgeable, and if if we don't cover it very well, definitely ask the RTS. They yeah. know it, they understand it through and through, and uh, so just knowing this this concept, uh, it's really really inter- really really important for this for the for the wean and the extubation. But mm-hmm. basically, it's a ratio between the patient's respiratory rate and their tidal volume. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to actually read from the book this, this quote. I love, I love how they, they line it out, but this is what the book says. It's easier to breathe fast than deep. So a patient with a lot of respiratory muscle strength will take fast, shallow breaths. Slow, deep breaths are better. As an example, a patient with a respiratory rate of 10 and a tidal volume of 500 has an RSBI of 20. Another patient with a respiratory rate of 50 and a tidal volume of 100 has an RSBI of 500. Both have the same minute ventilation of 10 Mm. liters a minute, but the latter is not ready for extubation. You want the RSBI below 105, below 100, 30s, 40s. You want it nice and low, but it's just that ratio uh, of taking the slow deep breaths and with the respiratory rate, the tidal volumes they're pulling gives you a very, very solid number for extubation to see if they're ready. So you can look at these other numbers, like you like the minute ventilation. A lot of people look at minute ventilation, but it, it can give you a skewed number. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you'll hear the ROTs talking about RSBI, RISB. It's a very, very cool number. Right. So the, just in summary, let's go over it. So
0: these numbers, FiO2, less than 50. PEEP, less than 8. Minute ventilation, less than 10 liters per minute. RSBI of less than 105. A NIF of negative 30 centimeters of water. And lastly, that sometimes we'll throw in is do they have a cuff leak? Oh, yeah. That and just right. in that, we'll be checking for if they have any laryngeal edema. So if we'd be safe with pulling that tube out.
1: Cool. And again, again, the only reason we're throwing this out there is just so you as nurses just kind of know what the RTs are talking about, you know, what the doctor's talking about. Um, it's not so that you can decide what to extubate. Oh, right, right. You're yeah. not You're not telling the RTs what to, yep. what to extubate. It's just so uh, you are able to potentially participate in the care process a little more and have an yeah. understanding of of kind of what they're talking about because they, they don't teach us that they didn't teach me this in nursing school not this not to this degree I, to this yeah degree. and no, if little... we did we already forgot it yeah, <laughs> you know, so yeah. this is a really good refresher for you guys
0: i hope and um yeah so yeah say, check those risbys do those
1: sbts sbts <laughs> SBT, SBT. SBT. two male nurses expressly disclaims any liability in association with this podcast.